Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Tournament Grounds, an MTG Gladiator podcast. I am your host Ian, also known as the Almighty Cheddar, and uh, this episode we will be covering the first week of Season 7 of the Gladiator League. Now, before we get into that, what is Gladiator? Well, Gladiator is a 100-card singleton format played on Arena with cards on Arena, with no sideboards, no companions, except the friends you make along the way. We also have a small ban list. Now, uh, getting into our intro segment, as we always do, the pet card of the week. And for this week, I have chosen Snapdax Apex of the Hunt. So Snapdax is one and Mardu for a... 3-5 double striking cat dinosaur nightmare with mutate for two Bractos hybrid and white white. It has double strike, and whenever this creature mutates, it deals four damage to a creature or planeswalker and opponent controls, and you gain four life. Now this card is an absolute house in my pet archetype at the moment. Mardu midrange. So what makes it a house? Well, even without the mutate clause, it is a 4-mana 3-5 with double strike, which has a booty big enough to block most things in the format, and also just attacks for 6. So, it just, it, it slices, it dices. And then, when you mutate it onto, say, most of the non-humans you're running, Lelia, Steel Seraph, uh, Archangel of Wrath, which gives it lifelink, it also removes a creature from your opponent's board while stabilizing your life total, which, in a deck like Mardu Midrange, is incredibly important. And so that ends the segment of Pet Card of the Week, now let's move into our main topic, the Season 7 Week 1 Gladiator League. Now, this tournament had 39 players, two players ended up 5-0, and oh, and four players ended up 4-1. and one. This is a five-round uh, tournament. The meta breakdown that we ended up with was four blue-white control decks, three Esper Reanimator decks, two of R Gruul Stompy, Rakdos Midrange, Gruul Midrange, and Mono Red Aggro, and then 30 other unique decks. And I think that just shows just how diverse Gladiator is right now. You can genuinely sleeve up anything that you find interesting or fun. And it, it has a very solid chance of being playable and taking down events. I've seen, gosh, in the Gladiator Games Brothers War, someone went X and 1 with Esper Planeswalkers running 18 Planeswalkers in like 32 lands. Like, whatever, whatever you want to put together, it will, it will uh, rumble and probably do alright if you know what you're doing and know the format well enough. So, let's get into reviewing what our 5-0 and 4-1 decks were. Which, so yeah, in this podcast, I will review the decks that went X and 1 or better, kind of give a description of what they were, who was piloting them, and what Phyrexia cards they were. Because I'm also kind of interested in how All Will Be One has affected the Gladiator meta, if at all. Which, as you will see in a minute, was quite a lot. So let's go into the winner of uh, the Week 1 tournament. Dwagon Fodder on Mono Green Elves. 
Now, this list, uh, pretty much exactly what you'd expect out of mono green elves, except for it lying about being mono green, because they're splashing red for Minskin Boo, as every green deck does in this format, and also splashing black for a new Phyrexia card, Tyvar Jubilant Brawler. Now, Tyvar, if you haven't seen what he's currently doing to the modern format, is a one black green planeswalker that lets you activate abilities of creatures you control as though those creatures had haste. He plus ones to untap up to one target creature and minus twos to mill three cards, and then you can reanimate a creature with mana value two or less. And he starts at three loyalty, but didn't already say that. So what does Tyvar do for a deck like Elves? Well, the ability of Thousand Year Elixir, the activating at haste speed, just lets Elves be so explosive. Say you get yourself going with a Realm Walker on Elves so you can cast off top of your library. Well, almost every Elf taps to add mana. So if you can haste speed add mana, then one mana Elves pay for themselves, two mana Elves cost one, and you just see how that ability starts to spiral this deck out of control. The plus one to untap a creature, it's good. With effects like Circle of Dreams, Druid, and Marwyn, it lets you add a lot more than one mana, but probably at worst it'll either add one more mana for your turn or let you just have like pseudo-vigilance on a creature. But that minus two, which lets you reanimate pieces that your opponents have already dealt with, is so backbreaking as most other decks playing against this, playing against elves, where you get rid of, say, their Gala Greeters, or their Fauna Shaman, or their War Master, these things that are just lords or generating value, the Leaf Crown Visionary, for example, and then they just reanimate it, and you don't have another removal spell up, and they're just going to start accruing this value and mana over again. Just Tyvar, definitely one that people missed out on in set reviews, but he is an absolute house in Eternal formats, and especially in the deck that he was kind of designed around, Elves. Uh, that's all I have to talk about for Dwagonfodder's Monogreen Elves list. He took down the tournament, congratulations, or uh, they took down the tournament, congrats. Moving on to our other 5-0, who didn't quite take didn't quite take the trophy, but 5-0 is still very impressive. In Casey1596, playing Gruel Stompy, which is definitely a deck that I'm... I, I enjoy myself some good red-green beat-them-down questing beast mana dorks, all the... All the fun stuff. So this deck, as you would expect, it plays green mana dorks and red green beef. So we got another deck with Minskin Boo, because you know, Minskin Boo is not an okay magic card, but it's still legal, so it's what we uh, it's what we have to deal with. Uh making making large hamsters with trample and haste and just getting in there. So Phyrexia cards that they are running. Uh one that we didn't talk about last deck. Well, they actually aren't playing. Um but last time was Armored Scrap Gorger. Now, the Gruel Stompy deck wasn't actually running this, because two-mana dorks are a bit more iffy on, re are, uh, on whether or not you can run them, but just an absolute house of a two-mana dork. It eats their graveyard. It becomes an uh, it becomes a 3-3 three, three after long enough. I mean, it slices, it dices, it's a dork that turns into a threat. In my opinion, deck should Gruel Stompy should probably be running it, but... I didn't play the deck, and they went 5-0, so what do I know? Um, other notable cards from Phyrexia, Miglaw's Maze Crusher. 
is a one red green 4-4 legendary Phyrexian beast that enters the battlefield with five oil counters. You can pay one and remove an oil counter to give it vigilance and menace until end of turn, pay two and remove two oil counters to give it plus two plus two until end of turn, or pay three and remove three oil counters from it to destroy an artifact or enchantment. We would have played something like this if it ended at 3 mana 4-4, four, four. but my god does this thing slap. So, just giving it Vigilance and Menace means it's gonna be up as a blocker, and it's evasive. That in combination is so much damage. And then even, even without that, when it comes in, you can then threaten to make it a 6-6 six, six at any point in time if you just leave up two mana, which is crazy strong, and then it just naturalizes. Why does this thing just get to naturalize as a three mana four four? Twenty twenty three green cards, am I right? Anyway, after a Miglaw's other notable inclusions, evolving adaptive. So we finally get a version of Experiment One on Arena in the form of evolving adaptive which is a 1 green 0 0 that enters with a oil counter on it whenever a creature with power greater power or toughness greater than evolving evolved adaptive's power and toughness power or toughness it gets another oil counter and its power is equal to the number of oil counters on it but I didn't already say that i couldn't find the oh i found the card finally anyway <laughs> i'm a professional uh so yeah, one green, starts as a 1-1, one, one. whenever a thing with bigger power or toughness enters, it gets another oil counter. It grows so big. When you're playing things like, I'm forgetting the card, Canker Bloom, in this same deck, when you proliferate, it gets bigger. So you just have this one drop that scales with the game, and it's just redundancy for your effects like Pelt Collector. So just having other... Having other effects like the one drops that get bigger just make the deck so much more explosive and just inevitable that you're gonna die. You're gonna get stomped on by green cards. One last Phyrexia card from the Gruel Stompy list, Bloated Contaminator. Speaking of three mana four fours, we got a two and a green, so only one colored pip, four four trample toxic one, that whenever it deals combat damage to a player, proliferate. Why? <laughs> so this card, not only is it coming in as a 4-4 four, four for 3, also with Trample so it's evasive, like Miglaw's was, but you don't have to pay for this evasion. It's just always trampling. And then when it does get in, which is going to be really hard to stop, it proliferates. So all those like one-drops that I was talking about that have counters on them, Leilias that get counters... You just put more on. It's just big. This deck plays big beef. It's got Glory Ringer as a top end. It's got Questing Beast. This deck slaps. It's great. Fable the Mirror Breaker. Doing Fable the Mirror Breaker things. We've also got Tyvar's Stand in the instance slot. What a broken magic card this is. We got X and a green for an instant that gives a creature hexproof and indestructible until end of turn. Just stop there, it's one green hexproof and indestructible, we play that, Tamiyo's safekeeping. I said there's an X in the cost, it gives the creature plus X plus X as well. So it's like you take Primal Might, you make it instant speed, you can still get a 2 for 1 off, countering their spell. 
and it's a fireball if you put it on a trampler. It's nuts. It's so strong in these green decks. And uh, that's about it for Casey's Gruel Stompy list. Uh, went 5-0. It, it slaps people. It ramps into just not okay green cards and also red cards because Minsk and Boo is also red. It's a cool deck. It kills people. I like it. I like just killing people. I Like I said, Premier Mar... Premier Mardu pilot of the format. Anyway, going into our 4-1 range, which, still, fantastic record. We got four 4-1s. So let's dig into our first 4-1 list. Baggy Lisk on 4-color no-red mid-range. Now this deck is so spicy. It's got everything in it. I'm talking Phyrexia cards. We got Elishnorn and Atraxa. So this deck is going big, and it's got Blink synergies, and I love it. Blink is one of my favorite things to be doing in Magic. So we got Elish Norn, Mother of Machines. If you didn't know what she does, she's dumb. Four and a white, four seven vigilance. If a permanent entering the battlefield causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, it triggers an additional time. And permanents entering the battlefield don't cause abilities of permanents your opponents control to trigger. So when you have this Blink sub-theme going on with cards like City Stalker Connoisseur or Airtie Resurrected or Callous Blood Mage, it doubles all of those effects. It's already a 4-7 with Vigilance. Nothing's getting through it. And it's stopping all of your opponent's incidental enter the battlefield effects. This card's crazy strong. Yes, it dies to just any removal. It's a creature, so what? We don't have Caracas in this format. We do what we want. We play our big dumb five drops, because what are people going to do? Remove them? They already spent that on our one through fours. Other notable inclusions. That Atraxa that I was talking about. Where is that Atraxa on this page? I will find it now. Atraxa Grand Unifier. Three green, white, blue, black, seven, seven, flying, vigilance, death touch, lifelink. When it enters the battlefield, reveal the top 10 cards of your library. For each card type, you may put a card of that type from among the revealed cards into your hand. Put the rest in the bottom in a random order. I've been playing this card in Historic Brawl and my own version of Gladiator 4-Color Blink. It's stupid. It's a 7-7 with 4 keywords. It stabilizes against anything, and when it enters, you draw like an average of 4 cards in a turn off the ETB. If you have Elishnorn, it doubles. It's so strong. But even without just the ETB trigger, it's got four keywords and it's a 7-7. Seven, seven. One of those keywords is lifelink and flying. So it blocks everything. It attacks through anything. It gains you, like, a billion life. Any more aggressive deck just can't win. So yeah, what else do we got in this deck that's notable? We got Time Warp. We got Demonic Tutor. Are we on Tainted Pact? Are we on Thassa's Oracle? Probably. Show me the Thoracle. Oh, we got... Yeah, there's the Thoracle. So, yep, we're on Thoracle combo. Why not? You're probably only running one of each card in the deck anyway, and Thoracle is a pretty decent ETB effect. Like, looking top X, putting a thing on top, even without Thoracle, or even without Tainted Pact. It's a fine effect. You'd run it. We got a Miola Blessed to blink things repeatedly. We got Agent of Treachery. This deck's sweet. It's basically four-color blink, and I'm all for that. Blink decks are my thing, and just greed blink is, ah, oh, so up my alley. 
Next up, after Bagulisk, we have the Friendly Eldrazi on a format classic mono-white death and taxes. Now, this deck, much like the Gruul Stompy deck, is just looking to go aggressive, but instead of green beef, we got little tiny white creatures that just multiply so much and then just kill you. We got for Phyrexia cards, since I'm interested in looking at what this is, we have Ye Olde Phyrexian Vindicator as a new top end for these decks. White, 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 white for a 5-5 with flying. If damage would be dealt to it, prevent that damage. When damage is prevented, it deals that much to any target. It's really strong as the top end. Just a thing that just turns into an unstoppable wall, cracks in for 5. If they ever try to block it, you get to shoot things down red burn spells can't get through it it's a really nice top end uh we also got screlv defector might going from right from the top end to a one drop it's a one white one one with toxic one that can't block you can pay a phyrexian white and tap and choose a color and give another creature toxic one and hexproof from that color until end of turn and it can't be blocked by creatures of that color this turn so it's very similar to having protection from that color but not exactly now, we haven't had a Mother of Runes-esque effect on Arena yet, so this is about the closest we've got, and it's a very good one. Uh, Legendary isn't a downside really at all. You might die to a couple more removal spells, but that's fine. The ability of this card to, just by itself, get in for some damage, but also give your... Well, I can't remember what this card's called, but like... I don't know, your Tithe Takers, your... Uh, Luminarch Aspirants, your adversaries, just giving them protection from your opponent's blockers, cracking them through for damage. It just helps poke through that last few points of damage that these decks can often struggle with getting. And after that, the only other card from Phyrexia that I saw in this deck was Ossification, which is a one and a white enchantment. It enchants a basic land you control, and when it enters, it exiles a creature or planeswalker until it leaves the battlefield. Now, Journey to Nowhere is crazy. We don't have Journey to Nowhere, so instead we have Ossification, which also hits Planeswalkers, which Journey didn't do. It's so stupid. It's two mana, hits anything they control, and when you put it on a basic land, we have almost no way of dealing with basic lands. Field of Ruin and Desolation Field, which are the most common ways that decks run to deal with lands, only hit non-basics, so you need to be running a Disenchant to get rid of it which decks do, but that's a very small amount of their, like, removal. So it's it's just a really solid two-mana exile a thing, but they don't get anything for it. So yeah, that is the Friendly Eldrazi's mono-white death and taxes list. I love it. It's got the Wandering Emperor in it. What's not to like? It kills people. Dead. It's aggressive. It's a classic staple of the format. And uh, congrats, the Friendly Eldrazi, for going uh, X and 1 with it. That's an impressive record. After the friendly Eldrazi, we have Theopolist on one of the only copied decks of... I completely lost my word for this, but the only... The only repeated deck list in the X and 1s. I can speak English. So the only repeated deck list in the X and 1s are higher on Rakdos Midrange. Now, from the Phyrexia side of things, it's not running any Phyrexia cards, which is a little bit of a shame, but that's alright. 
we not every deck needed to get cards not every deck needs to get cards from every set so what are we looking at here it's the classic rakdos midrange if you've played it against it in pioneer it's got a lot of the cards but also with weird online only cards we've got your classics the lily of the veils the sorens the chandras we got your tenacious underdogs we got your sedgemore witches i love this card it's sick we got Ophiomancer, which is a unique thing to Arena that we can run. Shieldred, because she's dumb. CZ Peasy, because, you know, Arena players get to run some Modern Horizons cards. Your Kroxas to combo off with your Lurises, because this deck's running Luris, right? It should be running Luris. It's not running Luris. That's an interesting deck building decision, but you know what? I'll respect it. We got Prosper Tome bound as a late game grinding engine, Grim Lava Mancers. Uh, what else do we got in here? We got Bank Job, which is an arena or an alchemy card that I didn't know existed, but it lets you seek the bottom creature of your library and exile it each turn and you get to cast it. So it's like a Phyrexian arena type thing. It's neat. It guarantees you're hitting creatures. Uh, we got a lot of removal, as you would expect. Uh, a lot of removal, some card advantage in the instance and sorcery slot. Altogether, it's a it's a black red deck that plays really efficient creatures, the best planeswalkers on arena, and then just a bunch of removal. It preys on the creature decks. It does really well at going one for one with decks. Not many decks can beat it going one for one. So I like it. It's a lot like my Mardu list. I only run a couple things that aren't in this list, so. I like it. It's rad. We got Thoughtseize. We can hand attack people. And now, I hinted at this earlier, but we got Howdy Howdy next up. Also on Rakdos midrange. Also not running any Phyrexia cards, which again, is a shame. But, the interesting thing I can do with this is compare the two decks to each other. Now, these decks share 94 cards, which isn't surprising. They're the same... Like, they're the same archetypes that should be running very similar cards. But with some notable only, or notable unique cards. So, Howdy Howdy's list. We got Ambergris. We got Faithless Looting, which Theopolis is not running. Maybe due to wild cards. It's a rare for some reason. We got Painful Bond in Howdy Howdy's list. Which is, I guess, better when you're trying to go more low-to-the-ground aggressive because the perpetually when you cast spells you lose a life on the cards that are in your hand after you cast it 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 does hit you for a fairly significant amount of damage and that's not nothing what else do we got unique we got perforos's intervention speaking of fireballs it's a fireball that's also a removal spell it's pretty neat we got robber of the rich very aggressive red two drop and we've got sarkon wander to shiv I'm just going to read out this Planeswalkers. I never remember what it does. Three and a red. Four loyalty. Plus one. The dragons in your hand perpetually cost one less, and you can spend mana as it was mana of any color to cast them. Plus one. Put a Shivan dragon into your hand. Minus two. Bolt a creature. I mean, it just keeps putting Shivan dragons into your hand. That's really good in the late game. There's a lot of times where I would just cast a Shivan Dragon every turn, and that's good enough. I didn't see any other dragons in Howdy Howdy's list. There might be, 
but I don't think there is. I think it's literally in there as a removal spell that also just keeps putting Shivan dragons into your hand. Which again, that's enough. It's really strong at grinding out the late game against other grindy mid-range decks. As turns out, just a 6-6 flyer every turn gets the job done. Now in Theopolis' version, we got Crucius Titan of the Waves, which is a really cool alchemy card from the last alchemy release, of one black red for a 3-3 legendary human pirate. At the end of your end step, you may discard a card. If you do, make a treasure token and choose Ambitious or Expedient. If you choose Ambitious, seek a card with greater mana value than the discarded card. If you chose Expedient, seek a card with less mana value than the discarded card. So it cycles a card in your hand into a... You can kind of get it to figure out what type of card you want. You're probably just pitching like lands and getting creatures. But or just spells that do things, but it also ramps you. So if you say go Crucius, you just have more mana to both like double spell Alalia into something to follow Alalia up with. It seems really good, and I haven't really gotten to try it out a lot in Mardu yet, so I'm excited to see what the card's gonna do. We got Davriel, the Soul Broker. I'm sorry, my voice is doing weird things. I ate not too long ago. Uh, Davriel, it does Davriel things. He's really strong. He does weird offer and condition things, kills things dead entirely, and then makes them lose their resources to attack you. It's pretty cool. What else do we got? We got Ye Old Doom Blade in the removal slot. We got Obnixilus the Adversary, which is another surprising... Uh, I'm surprised that that's not copied for both decks, because Obnixilus is an absolute house. Uh, Predatory Sludge is unique to Theopolis' list. That's an interesting one. It's a 2 and a black 3-3 three, three Menace, and as it enters the battlefield, you choose a permanent you don't control, and when the chosen permanent is, dies, you conjure a Predatory Sludge into your hand. So it's also just really good at grinding out games. It turns any removal spell you cast into another Predatory Sludge. Or it doesn't even turn it into it. It just gives you another one when you cast it. It's fairly solid, and I like the card. We also have Unlicensed Hearse, which is another very good card in the grindier matchups. So what I'm so what I think I'm seeing in the differences between Theopolis and Howdy Howdy's list. Howdy is looking to just kill them. We got Robber of the Rich, Perforos's Intervention, Ambergris, just these cards that just get on the board and kill things. Sarkon gets stuff out of the way, and if you have to do a grindy match, he just puts Shivan Dragons in the hand. It's great. Theopolis, we're looking for a more slower, grindier game. We got the hearses, the obs, they they just let you play this late game. That's quite hard to get through. So yeah, those are so that was the only repeated deck list in the top six, which the six is what we had for Yeah, top six is all of the X and ones are higher. I don't think I missed anybody's list. I think I got everybody's Yep. So that's all the X and one lists from the tournament. So my thoughts on this tournament. The the meta is really diverse right now. Like I said, we have 34 unique lists in that so that submitted decks, and I didn't even go into the three and twos. We have some very spicy stuff in the three and twos. We got Dabnado on Mardu Humans. We got Jund Midrange. Mono Red Goblins went three and two. 
uh abzan mid-range blue white control there's so many really cool decks and a worrying deck coming into the more competitive tournament starting up again was the channel storm list which i'm happy to say doesn't look like it's too good there are plenty of fair decks getting out on top of it speaking of i don't think i see any channel storm lists submitted for the tournament yeah nobody was on channel storm which is kind of surprising to me but anyway that so that's my recap on on the tournament i'm quite happy with how it ended it up how it ended up uh phyrexia is having an impact on the format you like to see it it's not too much of an impact but it added some cool cards that make strategies more powerful and that are playable that's a cool thing that we have added to the format and that will do it for today's episode of tournament grounds the gladiator podcast i have been ian your host thank you for listening and we will see you next week now for today's sign off i wanted to discuss my experience at magicon philly as i went last weekend now i'd never been to a magic convention before i couldn't ever make it out to a magic fest you know in the past times before the old pandini but or a command fest even after i didn't was, wasn't able to make it to richmond the only real convention experience i'd had beforehand were scg con events now comparing these to scg cons it was definitely less focused on the actual magic playing and more focused on the events around it which in my opinion, I'm not a huge fan of. Now, I'm not saying there wasn't any magic playing at all, because there was a lot of magic playing. There were free play area all over the place. And being one of the largest uh, complaints about MagicCon Vegas, from what I heard, it was good. There was plenty of free play space. You could find your way around. It was a bit confusing in the beginning with how they had it laid out. But once you figured out where you were going, it was pretty easy to find your way around. So over the weekend, I jammed quite a few games of Modern. I had built Blue-White beforehand, and I hadn't fully built Blue-White, so I was dirting people out with Dragonlord, Ojutai, and Muyanling. Got one of the greatest board states I will ever get in a game of Modern, where I emblemed Muyanling Skydancer and was beating down with Dragonlord, Ojutai. So that's an achievement unlocked, I guess. But even besides that, other events I did, the on-demand event system was fantastic. You went into a, there was never a line, you bought yourself a ticket, you waited in like a real-life queue, once there were four of you, you went off and played a round robin, and you got prize tickets based on your record. It was a really cool way of doing it, it let me grind out a bunch of games of uh, Magic that I wanted to play, I did some silly limited events, did one Mystery Booster Convention Edition draft. It was a blast. I got to meet a bunch of people. I was kind of a talk of the modern area as I was playing. I was just starting people out with cards that I haven't seen play since 2018. But anyway, it was a great event. I had a whole lot of fun. I can't wait to go to another Magic Con and or SCG Con and just meet more people, jam some more magic with new people outside of my regular play group, and just play more of this game that we love. Anyway, thanks for listening to this week's episode. I'll see you in the next one.